Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Great. Hey, so glad that you're here with us today. I'm Jeremy, one of the pastors, and I have the privilege of opening the Word with you today. Before we dive into the Word of God, uh, I do want us to pause, and in just a moment, we're going to pray uh, for all of those that are just um, experiencing the devastation and destruction from Hurricane Harvey. Uh, as you know, there's been loss of life. People have lost their, their businesses, their homes. Uh, it, there's just been so much damage. And during times like this, as a church, we just we want to respond. And we've been praying about how we respond. And here's a, here's a couple ways in which I'm just super excited about. One of the things we wanted to do uh, this year uh, in a way to impact uh, places that are in need, like those in Houston that have been affected, is we want to put together a rapid response team. So we are praying through that right now. We're planning on sending a team uh, that's been just devastated by Hurricane Harvey. And if you are interested in being a part of that and you want more information, I want to encourage you to go to the table in the ministry mall. It's the men's ministry table and sign up for more information. We're excited about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Isn't that awesome, church? We're going to go. And so I'm just super excited about that. So again, table outside the ministry mall afterwards, the men's ministry table. Uh, sign up if you're interested for that. And also, if you want to help support that trip uh, financially, it's going to take money to send people there. And then we're going to have supplies that we want to bless people with, and just, just remind people of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So if you want to give, you can hop online, use the church app, go to Hurricane Harvey Relief, that tab. You can text uh, 209-353-8161 to give. If you're old school, you can use the giving envelope in the seat back in front of you and uh, just write down Hurricane Harvey Relief and give that to one of the ushers on the way out. But before we go any farther, let's bow and let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many people that are hurting right now. They've lost their home. They've lost their business. Um, they've lost animals. They've lost family members. And yet, even in the midst of loss, God, our hope is in Jesus. And so, God, would you encourage in ways that, that only you can? Would you comfort in ways that, that only you can? Would you give a perspective um, that's so necessary during this time. And God, we're asking that you would use us, the people of Shelter Cove, to make an impact. God, through going or giving, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want people to, to not just hear about the love of Christ, but experience the love of Jesus through us. So God, thank you for the privilege it is to be a part of a church that's just sold out to Jesus. God, use us to go and use us to give and be with those that are hurting right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles if you have them and meet me in Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we have you covered. Feel free to raise your hand and uh, one of the ushers will get one to you. You can feel free to keep this Bible if you do not have one of your own. We're in page 947. If you need a Bible, I do want to welcome those joining us online. Stoked to have you tuning in with us today. As always, inside your bulletin, sermon notes, great way to track along with the message today. We are in a series titled Impact 2. Uh, impact is the word for the year, looking at the impact that we want God to have in our lives, through our lives, in our church, through our church. And we started off a couple weeks ago about this lasting impact that happens through the Great Commission. 
Uh, our mission statement is reaching and raising followers of Jesus. We're all about making disciples. So we looked at a lasting impact. And then we looked at the impact of godly leadership, where uh, leadership is simply influence. Last weekend, Pastor Chad did a great job. You responded. Again, over 150 people signed up to serve, uh, looking at the whole impact of selflessness. Today, we're looking at the impact of renewed mind. Uh, the end of this series... September 30th, October 1st is Impact Weekend. First time we've ever done that as a church. Our service times are going to be shortened and we're going to have a serving, a serving time afterwards. We're going to break out all over the church. We're going to put together uh, packages for those that are hungry. We're going to help out with Modesto Pregnancy Center. We're going to be writing notes of encouragement. We're going to do stuff all over the church. We're going to practice being the church that weekend. September 30th, October 1st, mark your calendars. It's going to be an awesome way to wrap up this series. But right now we're in Romans chapter 12. These two verses have the power to change our lives. These are verses that maybe some of us are pretty familiar with. Uh, Paul has just gotten done writing 11 chapters on theology. This is who God is. This is what God has done. This is all that we have in Christ Jesus. And then Romans chapter 12 is the chapter with the most commands in it in the New Testament. I love the simplicity, the clarity, and the life-changing power of this chapter. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Heavenly Father, God, would you open our ears and open our hearts, and specifically today, would you open our minds? God, would you change our thinking, would you change our mindset that we would think like Jesus? God, I humbly ask that you would take over my mouth, my mind, and my heart, and that you would declare the message you have in store for your people today. God, we need you. Change us from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you know people that... Um, over the span of their life, um, haven't always made the wisest decisions. Just, just raise your hand. Good, raise your hand without looking at the person next to you, all right? Um, yeah, lot, lots of times we have thinking that is just flawed and it causes us to do foolish things. In fact, here's a couple examples of flawed and foolish thinking. <laughs>
So you just see it coming. You're like, that's just a dumb thing to do, you know? I love some of these uh, signs that we also see. Slow, with somebody writing a post right in front of that. That's just, what were they thinking? Uh, this next one, made in China with a big American flag right above it. Like, really? And my personal favorite is a stop sign that says underneath it, no stopping or drop off, right? It's, it's just our, our thinking at times is just, it's just flawed. And that's what we're talking specifically about today. It's the impact of a renewed mind. Because we act as we think. In fact, you may want to write that down. We act as we think. And here's why this is such a significant issue. Our thinking is naturally flawed. Our thinking naturally has a bent. We naturally want to worship ourselves and what we do and what we accomplish instead of worshiping God. Our thinking is naturally about us instead of God. We, we naturally, our mind is hostile to God. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that Paul says that when we come to Christ, we, we now have the mind of Christ. In other words, one of the, the, the radical things that changes when we surrender our lives to Jesus is our minds, is our thinking, is the way that we process stuff. It's no longer about us, it's all about Jesus. And there's this renewal that needs to keep taking place. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's this, this mindset that needs to change. And if we want to radically have our lives change. If we want to radically become more and more like Jesus, not only do our hearts need to change, but our minds need to change. Our thinking needs to change. And Paul in this passage in Romans chapter 12 gives us two powerful truths of what happens when there's this renewed mind. Number one, he says this, point one in your notes, it's embracing a new mindset. We need to fully embrace this new mindset that's all about Jesus and not ourselves. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And anytime we see this word, therefore, we have to ask ourselves, what's the therefore? Therefore. Well, why did he write this? He's appealing back to everything he wrote in chapters 1 through 11 in Romans all about the theology of God, all that God has done, all that we have in Christ Jesus. In fact, he put it this way in Romans eleven thirty six, the verse before. He says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. In other words, all that we have and all that we are are because of God. So Paul's simply looking back at the, the last 11 chapters and says, therefore, because of all of this. In Romans chapter 8, he talks about this in, in regards to thinking. He said, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul, Paul's saying, therefore, because of all that I've already written to you guys, this is what I want you to do. 
And embracing a new mindset does three things. First of all, embracing a new mindset recognizes God's mercy. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because God's been so merciful. And this is how it's been defined. It talks about justice is getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Paul, Paul's saying because we don't get what we deserve, because we don't get the wrath of God and the judgment of God, he's simply saying because God has been so good to us because of Jesus. And he spent chapter after chapter after chapter talking about the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the life that we only have in Jesus. In other words, Paul's simply saying here that our motivation, don't miss this, our motivation for living the Christian life in this new mindset is solely based upon the mercy and the grace of God. All that he's done for us, all that he has done to show us love, it changes us and transforms us from the inside out. So he says that this, these, these mercies, and that's part of embracing a new mindset. Notice the second point in your notes. It says, embracing a new mindset results in giving ourselves as a living sacrifice. Based upon the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This word presenting, meaning I'm holding nothing back. I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice. That means all that we have, all that we are. God, God I'm giving this to you. My thinking's changed. My life is no longer about myself. It's all about you. All that I have, all the gifts, I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice sacrifice. Paul says that this new mindset in response to God's mercy gives of ourselves this, this living sacrifice. Now, now, why our bodies? Why is the one thing Paul said to give your body as a living sacrifice? Because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The body is the one thing that we have that we can totally surrender to God as a offering. And he said that there's three qualities to the sacrifice. First of all, he said it's living, as a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, people would offer a dead sacrifice. Paul says here, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Now, for us to be a living sacrifice, we have to die to ourselves. He goes on and then says I, it needs to be holy. What does it mean to be holy, set apart, different from the world? It means that we need to make sure as we give ourselves to God on a regular basis, there's nothing in our lives that are defiling us that we're, we're confessing our sin, we're turning from our sin, we're turning to God in every single area of our life. He said it needs to be living, it needs to be holy, and it needs to be acceptable. What is acceptable? It's pleasing. Now, if our, our offering is living, if it is holy, it will be pleasing to God. But Paul clearly lays out the call of followers of Jesus Christ that we are to give ourselves fully to God. That's our new mindset in response of the mercies of God, and this is not automatic. It's not just going to happen. It takes time, not just once a day, but all the time. God, I, I, I just want to give myself to you. God, if there's any areas of my life that are in rebellion to you, I, I, I don't want to offer myself as a defiled sacrifice to you. Would you change me? Would you transform me? That's what it means to give of ourselves as a living sacrifice. But not only that, embracing a new mindset 
responds in worship. He says, which is your spiritual worship. How do, we, how do we worship God? By giving of ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your worship. Paul makes that very clear. Now, it is awesome to gather together as followers of Jesus Christ and worship on the weekends. It's awesome to sing songs and raise our hands and cry out to Jesus. But there is a mindset among so many followers of Jesus Christ where Sunday mornings is when worship starts and Sunday mornings is when it stops. Paul says very clearly here in this passage that there is no starting point and ending point to your worship. Because you can say, yeah, I'm going to gather with other Christians and worship God, but it should also be on Monday morning, I'm going to, to, to work to worship God. I'm going to school and I'm gonna worship God. I'm gonna go hang out with my friends and I'm gonna worship God. It happens all the time in every single area of our life. That, that's the mindset of a worshiper because the only one that's worthy of our worship is Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, we can quickly become people that are worshiping ourselves instead of Jesus. And so I was thinking this through earlier this week, and it was Tuesday night, and just thinking about, God, help me, help me to live a life of worship. And just, just, just praying this through, and I was returning something from a store. It was about 9 o'clock at night, and a lady came up to me and asked uh, for some money. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you out right now. And so I went in and returned it, came back out, and she was, she was still there. I began thinking about this whole concept of worship. She was, uh, she was a younger gal, very skinny, uh, wearing a real short skirt, had a questionable um, way of, of, of making income. She was probably a, a prostitute. And I said, are you, are, are you hungry? And she said, I'm starving. And I said, well, there's a McDonald's 150 feet away. Why don't I walk with you over there and, and get you a burger? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? Worship just doesn't happen on Sunday morning, Saturday night. It, it happens all the time. So we're walking over there and I get her this burger and I just talk, start talking about Jesus. I'm like, hey, I just want you to know that you're, you're loved by God. You're, you're adored by God. Uh, do, do you know that? And she starts, she starts nodding. We have this, this great conversation. But it's all because I was being reminded again that, that worship happens when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Paul says, this is your worship. And it's amazing how often we don't realize the inconsistencies in our lives at times where we'll go and we'll worship God on Sunday mornings and we'll fail to worship him the rest of the week. But it's this whole concept of embracing a new mindset. God, I'm thinking differently. Why? Because I now have the mind of Christ. It's embracing this new mindset. But point two in your notes, notice what Paul says. It's about experiencing a transformed life. When we experience a new mindset, we're experiencing this new, new and different transformed life. Paul says this in verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Do not be conformed. What does that mean? Don't be like the world. Paul, Paul's simply saying, you're called to be different. And one of the reasons why we don't have an impact to the world around us is people look at us as Christians, and they see that there's nothing different about us than the rest of the world. He says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. And I love this word transformed. In the Greek, it's, it's in a passive voice, which tells us that God's the one that's doing the work. 
But it's also an imperative that means we're responsible for the spiritual disciplines that are necessary to bring about that change. Transformation, it's kind of like a caterpillar. Caterpillar will go into a cocoon. It will be there for a while, and when it comes out, it's never the same. It's a butterfly. It can't go back into being a caterpillar again. Why? It's been changed. It's been transformed. That's exactly what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, don't be conformed. Be changed. And if we're not careful as followers of Jesus Christ, we can get the first part of this right and miss out on the second. This is what I mean. We can live our entire lives and say, I haven't been conformed to the world. I'm not living like the world. But when we look back at our lives, we're the same spiritually as we were five years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, because we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to truly transform our lives. And sometimes this transformation takes place instantly. Sometimes it's just a lifelong process. I know people that have been addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, where by God's grace they come to Jesus and they never struggle with that again. I know other people where it's a lifelong process where they're like, you know, I still struggle with cussing, but I look back at my life and I don't cuss near as much as I did two years ago. You know, I still struggle with anger, but I'm not near as angry as I was six months ago. Boy, I still gossip at times, but boy, compared to two months ago, God has really transformed my life. So it's we're, we're experiencing this transformed life. And how does that happen? It happens in a, in a couple different ways. First of all, Experiencing a transformed life knows the significance of a renewed mind. Again, we act as we think. If our lives are going to change, our thinking needs to change. Paul says very clearly, by the renewal of your mind. How do we change? How do we allow God to change? Our thinking needs to change. And the best way to do that is through the Word of God where we are reading about the heart of God and the mind of God. God, what do you think about relationships? What do you think about finances? What do you about, think about uh, decisions I have to make? And that's how we get the mind of Christ. The more we read the Scripture, the more our mind begins to change. And the one who changes it while we're reading the, Holy, the Scriptures is the Holy Spirit. Paul put it this way in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. This word renewal is the same Greek word only used these two places in the New Testament. It says, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's the renewal of the Holy Spirit through the reading of the Word of God that literally changes the way that we think. And so this, this, this changed mind is taking place as we're reading the Scriptures, as the Holy Spirit is doing its work. But notice also, experiencing a transformed life understands God's will. It understands God's will. Paul said this, By testing you will discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we know the will of God because we're experiencing the will of God. And in the eyes of God, this will, it's good it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Because when our minds are changed, our lives are changed. When our minds are changed, our lives are changed. Yet here's two, in the midst of embracing a new mindset and experiencing a transformed life, here's a couple areas where we will struggle to think with the, the old mind instead of the new mind. In your notes, the first area is this. The old mind focuses on my past. The new mind focuses on my future. 
focuses on my future. All of us have a past. Your, your past does not define you. God does. I want to say that one more time. Your past does not define you. God does. That is so freeing. We've all been places, we've all done things with different people that we regret. Our past does not define us. God does. And Paul, he was a guy that supported the murder of Christians. This was his mindset in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. He says the mature people will think this way. Do you know what Paul did that was really well? He had a past. He had a really bad past. He was an intentional forgetter. He forgot about his past. He focused on the future. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, forget about the past. Come on, like you mean it. And now say, focus on the future. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, forget about the past, focus on the future. And it means setting aside those things in life, those bad situations in life, in our past. We just, we just start forgetting about those. But not only the bad things, for some of us, it's the good things. For some of us, we're consumed with how much money we used to make. For the house we used to have, for the way life used to be. Paul said, I'm going to forget about the past, period, and I'm going to focus on the future. That's this new mind in Christ. There's so many people that are crippled in this life because their focus is the past and it's not the future. Second area, the old mind focuses on my works. The new mind focuses on grace. Now, focusing on works is it's easy. A lot of us fall into that trap because if people know what they're supposed to do and you motivate them, usually there's immediate results, but don't miss this. They don't last. They don't last. Lasting results only come when we submit and surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is doing the work, that's when we experience lasting life change. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. He said, for it is by grace, for it is by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But Paul's saying it's, it's grace. And yet so often we just think, man, if I just white knuckle it and just try harder, I'm going to be a uh, just a better person, I'm going to be more acceptable in the eyes of God. And when we get thinking that way, there's a lot of people with that mindset that are works-focused that actually believe you can lose your salvation. And I always encourage people, you didn't earn your salvation in the first place. 
so there's nothing you could ever do to lose it. We are saved and sealed by the grace of God. And that's, that's one of the most freeing things that I have in my life is that there is nothing I could ever do that would cause God to love me any less or nothing I could ever do that would allow me to lose my salvation. Why? It's by faith, because of his grace. I was talking to this gal on Tuesday night. I was telling her about the love of God. I said, do you know that God loves you? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, if you, if you were to die tonight, uh, would you go to heaven? And I realized that probably wasn't the greatest time to say, hey, if you died like right now, would you go to heaven? Like rethinking how I like share the gospel, right? And, uh, and she said, yeah, I, I believe I would. And I said, why? And she said, because I'm a pretty good person. And I said, you know what? You're, you're probably a better person than I am. But the Bible says that there's no one good, not even one. And that we are saved not by our works. We are saved solely by the grace of God. And there's a lot of people that just don't think that way. Area number three, the old mind. This will probably be the most significant one that you struggle with. The old mind focuses on my feelings. The new mind focuses on truth. Feelings versus truth. If I were to ask in this room, and take a poll of how you feel, there would be a bunch of people that would say, yeah, I feel joyful, I feel thankful, I feel blessed. There would be so many more that say, I am angry, I am frustrated, I am discouraged, I am worried, I am anxious, the list goes on. And so we can't focus on how we feel, we have to focus on the truth. Why? Our feelings, our emotions, cannot be trusted. Feelings and, and emotions, they, they cannot be trusted. Just because you're feeling lust doesn't mean you should act on it. If you're feeling angry, you should not act on it. Because when we act based upon our emotions and feelings, often it will cause us to do something that is in direct disobedience to God. And yet we can be consumed with our emotions. We can be consumed with our feelings. That's why Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, when it comes to our thinking. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, I love that. He starts off with that one word, true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Our tendency is to think about the future and be like a worst case scenario person. And we are filled and consumed with worry and anxiety. Jesus said, who of you by worrying or by being anxious can add a single hour to his life? And I love that because we're all gonna get to the same destination that God has set out for us. The question isn't, are we gonna get there? The question is, how will we get there? We can either get there filled with worry, filled with anxiety, or filled with peace enjoy. If you um, are like most people and you struggle with anxiety or worry, I have a special verse for you and I want to encourage you to write it down. It's 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. Peter simply says this. He says, cast all your anxiety on him, speaking of Jesus, because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you, First Peter 5, 7. I need a volunteer to come up for a moment and just help me with something. Why don't you come on up here? 
You can go to the steps if you want, or you can hop right up either way. Go that way. And this, this, this is what that means. What's your name? Caden. Caden. Give Caden a hand, you guys. Caden, no pressure, uh, but you're going to be playing God right now, all right? So um, this is what it means to cast all of our anxiety upon him. That means whatever we are worried about, whatever we are consumed with, that, that stuff in our life that makes, makes us anxious, when we cast it all upon him, we do this. We give it completely to him. All right, don't squeeze the bag too hard. You might kill the animal. I'm kidding. There's not an animal in there, all right? Um, but that, that's what it means. But here's our tendency. Here, here's our tendency. We give it to God, but then we, we want to take it back, right? Or we'll, we'll give it to God and go ahead and start walking away just a little bit, Caden. We'll run over and give it back, right? That, that's our tendency. All right, go ahead and take this and grab it and go back to your seat. Give him a hand, you guys. Caden, that, that's what we do. He's going to take that and go back to his seat. But, but our tendency is we want to give it to God. And then we literally, we come and give it back. Sorry, I just scared him right there. He wasn't expecting that. But we take it and we come and we get it back because we want to be in control. How many of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about? We're like, we give it to God and we're just like, oh, I want to. No, what Peter is talking about is saying, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to give it to you fully. And I'm going to give it to you completely. And I'm going to trust that you're in control and you've got a better plan and a purpose for my life than I can ever understand. Would you give a hand for Caden right here? Sorry I freaked you out. He's never going to sit in the front row again. The old mind focuses on feelings. The new mind focuses on truth. And then fourthly, we see this. The old mind focuses on my desires the new mind focuses on God's desires. The old mind is all about, this is what I want. In fact, that, that's how we pray. God, this is what I want. The new mind focuses on what God wants, God's desires, to the point where we find ourselves listening more to God than we do speaking to God. And this is why it's so important as moms and dads, we teach our children obedience at a young age. What are we teaching them to obey? The desires of God. And we do that by modeling that as moms and as dads. And there's this shift that takes place in our thinking where it's no longer about what I want, it's about what God wants. And, and how do we do that? We just keep asking him. And you, build, you get friendships where, where you're committed to just saying, God, we just want what you want. And if that involves sacrifice, we're willing to sacrifice. If that means making changes in our lives, and we're willing to make changes in our lives. Because this new mindset, this Christ-like mindset, is that it's all about what God wants and not about what we want. And Jesus demonstrated that. Before Jesus went to the cross, he sees the cross before him. He gets away and he prays, and this is what he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. It says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. In other words, if I don't have to go to the cross, God, I don't, don't want to do that. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the mind of Christ, even though it's going to cost me, even though it's going to be painful. Not my will, but yours. See, we embrace this new mindset. And when we do that, we experience a transformed life. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself in response to the message today. 
Where does God need to change my thinking or mindset? Where in your life does God need to change your thinking or your mindset? Maybe it's based upon how you spend your time, your talents, or your treasures. Maybe it's thinking about how you see God. Maybe it's about how you see yourself. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe let me just say this very simply. The, the greatest change in your mind that needs to take place is, is how you think about God. The Bible says this word is repentance. It's the change of mind. Where instead of saying, God, I don't need you, we now see ourselves for who we really are, sinners that need a Savior, and we're saying, God, I need you. You're the only one that can save me. You're the only one that can free me from myself and my sin. You're the only one that can give me life and life to the full. You're the only one that can give me the promise of eternity in heaven. Where does your thinking and mindset need to change? And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, today it starts with repentance. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that as followers of Jesus Christ, you give us the mind of Christ. And yet in our sinfulness and our flesh, that old mind tends to creep back in. And so today, in a way that only you can, would you just renew our mind? Would you give us once again today that mind of Christ? Not the mind of the flesh. God, help us. God, where there's healing that needs to take place. God, where some of us are so prone to, to worry and be anxious, to make decisions based upon our feelings, to focus on the past, to focus on our own desires. God, would you just change the way that we think? With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. But if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you realize the greatest need of your life today is to repent, to change your mind, which always results in a change of behavior. Because the Holy Spirit comes in and changes us from the inside out. If that's your desire and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today, you can do that through a simple prayer. It's not the words of the prayer, it's the attitude of the heart. It goes something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. I realize my sin in my life, and I need you to save me from it. I receive your forgiveness. Come into my life, take control. Make me into the person that you want me to be. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. I just want to be able to pray for you if you, you prayed that prayer for the first time. Just, just raise your hand and look at me wherever you're at right now. If you prayed that prayer for the first time to receive Jesus. Good, I see that hand. See that hand. Is there anyone else? Say, I, I, I need Jesus today, and I, I prayed that prayer to receive him into my life. Good, I see that hand. Over there, over there, over there. Good, is there anyone else? See, I just, I, I need Jesus today, and I need to repent of my sin. Good, I see that hand over there. God, thank you so much for the hands that were raised, the hearts that were changed today, the minds that are being transformed even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Hey, we had several people raise their hands to receive Jesus Christ this morning. Can we just appreciate them and just what God's doing here? If, if you made a decision for Jesus Christ, uh, I just want to ask that you would take out a Cove card from the seat back in front of you and fill that off. Fill that out and check off the box that says, you know, I, I gave my life to Christ. Um, and if you would bring that up to our prayer team, who is uh, going to be up here very shortly, or give it to me in the Welcome Center, we want to help you with those next steps in following Jesus Christ. In the ministry mall, we have signups uh, to go and hang out in the, the Texas area for that trip. If you're interested in being a part of that, again, if you want to give to that, you can do that in all of those different ways. Before you go, just hold up your hand and hold up a five just for a second. How are we going to have renewed minds this week? Five minutes in the Word of God. Every single day this week. Five minutes with God. Watch what He does. Don't put your hand down. All right? All right, before we go, give your neighbor a, a high five and say, have a great week. All right? God bless you guys. See you next weekend.